not have a presentation, I'm going to be preaching extemporaneously today, which is a really <clears throat> expensive seminary term for meaning does not have outline. Okay? But it's okay. I have the Bible. <sighs> okay? All right. So I know a lot of you like to have the screen, but this week was pretty, pretty busy. Had a lot going on, and, and it uh, it was very labor-intensive, and I want to be talking about that today. We're going to be out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. Begin. We're going to read in verses 1, well, actually the whole chapter of chapter 9, and then I'm going to use this to frame kind of what happened earlier in the week. Something that I want to get into as a habit of a church is to stand as we read the Scripture. So if we could, let's stand as we read the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, and then we'll go from there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that, as I said, you may be ready, lest if some uh, Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation but this i say in verse 6 he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully so let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly hour of necessity for god loves a cheerful giver and god is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work, as it is written in Proverbs eleven twenty four, He has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also in abounding through many thanksgivings to God, while through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by the prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift father we pray as we read your word that you would apply it to our heart and anoint the preacher to get it right in jesus name amen you might think that's a strange text to read on the heels of a of a evangelism campaign and i admit it is these passages of scripture are generally used always as a means to encourage the church to be generous with their financial giving uh, and because that's in context, what it's talking about. Um, but there are always other ways to give. 
money, money is important. If you have an electric bill to pay and I bring you a 30 dozen eggs, you'll probably be grateful for the omelets, but it's not going to keep your light on. Okay, so, but uh, I, I want to see some things that go on in this, uh, we call this, uh, this chapter in the Bible here. Uh, as Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth by the way of Macedonians, that, and then, of course, their, Corinth was in the region of Achaia, uh, he's really stirring them up. And, and this, this offering that he's saying that he, they need to tell, go ahead and take part in, that which they've been working on for a year, was part and parcel of the biggest capital campaign that the Apostle Paul had been after, uh, since, well, we read about it in the book of Romans, and we read about it all the way through. It was huge. This was a relief campaign for the church in Jerusalem. Now, here's the thing we have to know. During this time, there, was great, there were great famines all over the place, so everyone was struggling. But the church in Judea, specifically there in Jerusalem, uh, they were really struggling because not only did they not have food, but they had been run out of there. The Christians, by and large, had been run out. Uh, as you may or may not know, the first of the early church were predominantly Jews. Well, the Jews were okay with that for about that long. Okay? And then they began to turn it around and really begin to, the, to persecute the brethren. That's why we have the book of Hebrews like we do. And so... These Gentile nations that Paul had been going to and nurturing and church planting, uh, he was working on a capital campaign to, to gather money and goods to send back for relief to those Jews there in Jerusalem, to those Christians there in Jerusalem. Um, and so what we have is we have a people in great need and want ministering to people in a greater need and want. This wasn't, everything's okay over here, we've got plenty, sure, we'll ship it over and you'll be fine. So Paul then, in his very Pauline, using seminary term here, I always hate it when they said that, because it's, I know some ladies named Pauline. But anyway, I think Paul, hey. But um, Paul was actually trying to encourage this, this giving competition, sort of. Macedonians have, have given. Corinth, you said you would give. You haven't given yet like you said you would. We sent Titus to you to stir you up. Now go ahead and keep on going lest we've been boasting about your faith in vain. Right? So that's why you have the language that you have in the opening uh, statements there in chapter 9. Because he says um, to not give out of grudging obligation but of generosity. Out of generosity. So as I said to you before, this is always used in a means of, of money or goods. But I want to change it today. I think I will be able to do this and still stay contextual. Okay, and that is this. <clears throat> what we just did the past three days was give. We gave what we have. Now, could we have gone out and dispersed abroad and given everybody a $50 bill? Probably. 50 times 562, whatever that is, <laughs> okay? Because that's how many houses we hit these three days. We, we started on uh, uh, Thursday morning and then Friday all day and then Saturday all day. 
and we hit five. We made 562 visits to and for the purpose of sharing the gospel of Christ. Now we didn't go to give money, but we gave the greatest possession that we have as a church. We could quickly exhaust all of our accounts quickly to go give it all away to build a maybe a house for the homeless or to go supply this week's worth of food somewhere and then all the money would be exhausted. And if you do all that without the gospel, what have you done? You've done nothing, right? So it's not an either or either. It's a both and. And so what I want us to do is just kind of notice some things here. And I want to simply overlay the monetary or goods theme in this. And I want to overlay it with the gospel of Christ as we give it out instead. So we should not, as it says there in verse 5, give out of grudging obligation or generosity. When we go out to share the faith with people, and I've heard it from some here, you know, evangelism programs are generally, uh, can become sort of a, a, a step or, a, or a, maybe a, a sign of, of greater spirituality. You know, it's reserved for those who, who, who are doing right. Like right now, there are places that uh, if you go to church on Sunday night as well as Sunday morning and Wednesday night, then you're up here, okay? If you don't go to Sunday night, well, you'll never make, you know, past sergeant. That's about it. But, uh, and so, but we went out, and we went out joyfully, nervously right because let's all admit it door-to-door evangelism is about as desirous as a root canal all right Um, as I've said before it's not the preferred method of evangelism but no one that I've met yet has a better suggestion for how to reach people with the gospel of Christ directly and I gotta say when you walk up to a door and you knock on that door and you say hi my name's Mickey. I'm the pastor down at Northridge Fellowship. This is Annie and Jesse and Maddie. And we're just out today seeing if people know what the gospel is. You know, we use the gospel a lot. It's a popular word. We say it's the gospel truth. I've got the gospel do. You know, I've got gospel music. And uh, we have uh, gospel TV shows. But do, you, do we know what the gospel means? And so I'll ask them when we do that. And they'll say, well, I don't know. I say, well, do you? care to take a take a crack at it you know and and so they'll think for a minute and and then I'll hear things such as uh, well it's uh it's uh it's it's just the word of God well you're close it's all in there you know it's uh it's uh, doing good to others it's it's a lot of things and some some got it right on a technicality it's good news we know the noun of the word gospel in the Greek is euangelion and of course the verb of that is euglidzo which means to go herald or to preach the good news or to share the good news, and Gillian is good news. The English word gospel, as that translate, is an old English word from the word God's spell. And spell is the old English word for story. So God's story is where we get our word gospel from. But what is the gospel? And then I would, I would say, well, can I share with you the shortest, most condensed uh, definition or view of the gospel in the entire new testament and they say okay so i'll say well first corinthians fifteen three, i delivered to you first of all that which i also received that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and then i'll say did you notice it mentioned twice according to the scriptures now sometimes you may be talking to an lds family 
or maybe even a Catholic family. But it really doesn't matter. We're stressing we're, what we're saying to you, we're saying from the Scriptures. That's the gospel according to the Scriptures. Then I, I started adding one. What is the gospel according to Jesus? John 14, 6. I am, the, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. Right? That's, that's the gospel according to Jesus. So we go to share this gospel. We do it uh, generously. We want to tell everybody we can, though sometimes after about six miles, it's not too bad if no one's home because <laughs> then, you know, you can go to the next house. But uh, this is what we do. So I'm just kind of overlaying chapter 9 with this. And kind of talking about one of the things that we get into when we share the gospel is that uh, it, when, we, when we are generous with that which God has given us, the grace of God given to us, then we're able to be, uh, we are able to enrich those whom we talk to, okay? We are able to do that. Now, notice here in verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows uh, bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God who is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work." Now, he who supplies seed, and I'll come back to nine in a second, to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteous, so, righteousness. So, so the givers here are enriched when they go give. That's what happens. We see it financially, but we see it in, in sowing the gospel too. In fact, more so. Unfortunately, in America today, it seems when we talk about giving and we talk about generosity and we talk about those kind of things, it generally always only uh, talks about money and monetary things. We don't. But but what if we took what if you're in a church somewhere overseas or elsewhere could be here one day soon. Things keep going like they are. We don't have much money to give. So we off the hook. What did uh, Peter I'm, this is going to be testing me. Some of you, so some of you are really good at your scripture addresses. I'm really bad on that part. I know the scripture though. Peter, Peter addresses the man at the at the pool. I think he was crippled, and he says, "Silver and gold have I none." Right? He says, "But what I do have, I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk." So, what did that man need? More alms? No. He needed healing. But what did he receive even more than healing? He received the gospel that was able to save. Now that was an apostolic form and shape that Peter possessed that I don't possess. Or nobody possesses that. Okay, But we do have the gospel that Peter professed. So what happens in the day when we don't have 25 cents to give somebody? We still give what we possess and that's the gospel of christ so the givers are enriched when we do that and this is how because he says he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully when we've talked eight years here about we've bemoaned the fact of what the country's coming to and i just got to say as one of the themes and the other teams have said it too 
One of the things we ran across when we go door to door to door is that a lot of people are really concerned about this na- the state of our nation. Very concerned. And, and boy, it would be really easy to have political conversation at that point. I mean, I went up to this older gentleman's house and uh, they were cleaning out the garage and, and I said, I'm from Northridge Fellowship Church down there. Okay, this is his words, not mine. He goes, I just want to know, do you have Democrats in there? That's the first time I've ever been asked that, you know. I said, no, sir, not a one, I don't think. Then the second question was just perfect. About guns. (laughs) You know, I said, yes, sir, quite a few of those. (laughs) And, you know, then he starts in on his position and and the whole political thing. and, And I wasn't there to to sew politics so after he got finished um i pulled out my little evangel cube and i said so what do you think the gospel is can i share with you in 30 seconds so i shared just exactly what first corinthians 15 says he goes well that's pretty good yeah i think so so gone were the political thoughts of the day and we left it with the gospel here's one thing i want to say about when we go to, uh, to uh, spread the gospel and to sow seed, we're sowing it. We're planting. Any farmers in here? Any or former farmers? Okay, ah, thank you. So, you know, there's a difference between planting a seed and just going and shoving it in the ground and covering up with dirt and walking on. That's not good. Could go down in there just past for it could ever come up. It could be covered up with clods, maybe rocks, debris. No, we want to... We want, a, we want a seed bed, and, and we just we want, to, we want to lay that seed in the ground, and, and then we want to gently cover it and press it just a stitch a touch so that there'll be good contact for germination. That's what the prayer ministry of the church is, by the way. Okay, that's a germination mechanism for, for the gospel. And so, uh, so that's what we want to do. So we have to be very careful how we sow the seed. So after all of the clods are broken up and the conversation and things have settled down, you have to be willing to give what you possess. As I go through this, I'm going to give some pointers on it. Because I'll tell you, it's really hard to be a witness with the gospel of Christ if you don't read your Bible. Because then how would you ever know that 1 Corinthians 15.3 was there? Right? How would you ever know John 14.6 was there? and an infinite number of other scriptures that can be discussed when sharing the gospel. But notice in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, but or of necessity, but God loves a cheerful giver. Now what if we lay that aside, not just with giving money, but with giving time to go share with somebody, to take the time to pray for somebody, to go to their home, to arrange a visit, to share this truth. Does God love that? And I tell you what, they say, well, you know, Mickey, how, what do you think? I said, I think it feels really good to be obedient. That's what I think. Y'all know there's five functions of the church, right? This is uh, Seminary 101. There's the worship. 
That's a function of the church. It's one of the main functions we do. Brother JT leads us well in that. Chris, Jesse, others. There's worship. There's ministry. That's where we come alongside each other and help out with each other and, and you know, uh, yield our homes to one another, our resources to one another, or go visit each other in the hospital and, you know, that kind of thing. There's, there's missions slash evangelism. I'm going to come back to this one. There's discipleship, where I come alongside you and I teach you what I know about how to read the Bible, how to pray, and to get you on a solid foundation, okay? And then there's the favorite one of all. There's fellowship. Usually involves food, okay? Everyone loves to eat, okay? That's, that's not just a church thing. And so we're really good at all four of these, really good. We might even be good at 4.5 of them. We're good about maybe going overseas to missions. We take mission trips. It's exotic and fun, and you see all kinds of strange fruit growing and critters in the trees, and people live in strange things, and you stand there, and they're all enthralled that you don't look like they do, and you can share the gospel, and it's wow, and that's all great. But when it comes to evangelism here, we fail miserably. So, we've been talking about revival and awakening. And we've been talking about the fact that revival is not worked up. As some, we just, you can't just, if you ever drive by a church and it says revival, uh, you know, like September 5th through the 7th, just keep driving. Okay? Because unless they've got a secretary up in heaven and God's saying, I'll be there, they hope so. Revival is not worked up. It's prayed down. And when we pray as a church, we need to be able to come to God with a clean heart. And as an entity, okay, we, you all know what entities are. A family is an entity. A church is an entity. A nation is an entity. When we come together as a church entity before God seeking for revival, and we know off over here on the box of what we know we got to do and there's a box undone, and we say, oh, God, we're doing everything we can. We, we're praying that you would grace us with a divine intervention to save us. And he says, well, there's this, this big fat box right here that you don't want anything to do with. You talk a lot about it. I gave you express command to do it. You're making all kinds of reasons why you should, but I don't find you really trying. You're wanting to cultivate my presence. And you know it's there. You, it's right there with blaze orange over it. And we say, yeah, but, you know, we think you'll forget. So <laughs> we're just seeking you, God. And, and so I think when you really begin to really seek God for what only God can do, and you get desirous of His presence among us, then you become very sensitive to all those boxes that He knows that we know He wants us to do, and then we say, well, here we go. And that's what happened these past three days. And I just have to say again, it just feels really good to be obedient. And now guess what? It ain't over. Okay? It ain't over. I gotta, I gotta give... Uh, uh, just uh, our church pulled together in so many ways there was a peaceful 
exciting synergy from the people who prepared food to the people praying over us to people who were going out and then the dual purpose people who went back and forth and then there was Colin in his own kind of thing there and uh, just an incredible I you know by the way if any of you ever go ask Colin to do something just know that you're going to get like the wiring diagram the owner's manual and whatever else may need and probably a full presentation and a portfolio because that's just his nature because but if he hadn't have done that we would not have been able to have been effective with our teams but it all came together and we went out and did that and God in so using these folks who took time off their jobs to fly to Idaho to go door to door they came here they helped us do we not see that in the text that's what we see in the text and and God verse 8 is able to make all grace abound toward you having all sufficiency in all things. You notice the word all is happening a lot. And that you may have an abundance for every good work. So not only did we, Rich, not only did we launch out in evangelism for the first time and officially as an entity, I don't know when, uh, we were given jet fuel to start with. We had these people to help prompt us along and, and we learned a strategy, didn't we? And, and Colin knew he had a gift set he didn't even realize. Okay, he could be a cartographer, maybe, I don't know. But we know how, we know what we're doing now. We know what it's about. We know what to expect. We have our literature. We, we have the experience. And is there any excuse to not go? So to him who knows to do good and does not do it, what does the Bible say it is? It's sin, so we in trouble now. Okay, so but we have this abundance and then I like what he says in verse nine. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Do not sell God short in what he can supply. Even though you may be crashing down inside, even though you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what it's when you walk up to a door, you don't know what you're going to get, especially when you knock on a door and it seems like a whole kennel erupts okay there's more dogs in there than there are probably people down at the jailhouse okay and you think the whole house is shaking that's a canine family okay what are they, what's going to happen you know and they open the door because the dogs want to squirt out you know and and so you just don't know each time what you're going to get but you show up and god does too every single time all right and so verse 10 now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiplied the seed you have sown and increase notice that word increase in the fruits of your of your righteousness churches aren't increasing in america really anymore now some are but it's not really increase i've noticed that uh in some of y'all's houses you have really beautiful flowers. In fact, they are so pretty that they don't even look real because they're not, okay? And, and from a distance, that's impressive, you know? And I'm thinking, wow, what am I doing wrong? But they're not real. But then some of you are trying with the real stuff, you know? I think Annie over here, she's this flower power, 
you know, all the way, and, and, and uh, the rest of you may be starting, anybody starting their plants yet for vegetable season? You guys are going to starve to death. Okay. <laughs> I might too, might have problems. But, but my, my point is, is that many churches today are, are settling for the low-hanging fruit. Let's just make our, our priority to see how many people in chairs we can get instead of how we can build the kingdom by being obedient to the scriptural command of sharing the gospel. It's easier to build bigger buildings than it is to beat the street. It's easier to fund a program than it is to make time around your table. It's easier, okay, to think of all of the good stage presence up here and the music to wowie zowie than it is to sit down in some strange living room on a Sunday afternoon and talk about why Jesus had to die to save sinners. Will you grow from that? Little, sure, but it won't stay. It won't stay. And that's why the increase that Paul is talking about here it has to be of the fruits of righteousness. Fruits of righteousness. So you think you have to ask yourself a question here. What kind of fruit does my righteousness bear? Do I have little shriveled fruits? Do I have plump fruits? Well, the point is you're going to have different kinds at any different time in your life. But we should cultivate that kind of faithfulness, shouldn't we? Second, um, when we go and we give, the receiver's needs are met. The receiver's needs are met. Verse 11, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. So did you notice this part here? It's really incredible. You are enriched in everything for all liberality. Every, every adjective we see here is something of increase or more, right? And then he says there is supply of the saints being met. What we saw happen, not only in going out and sharing the gospel, that was good for them, but it was good for us, because as I heard it once, I heard it a hundred times, I have a place to serve here, now. I, I can take part in the way God's gifted me now. And they had a wonderful time doing it, because when you serve in your gifting, you're satisfied. There's a lot of miserable Christians pushing peanuts with their nose because they've yet to be utilizing the gifts that God's give them. You may not even realize that you have a knack for counseling people because you don't take the time to see or to teach the Word. You don't really sit down and see what God has gifted you to do. 
So you just breeze through life and then you get on into glory because justification isn't about you. It's about Jesus and about our repentance coming to him by faith. And we get to glory and he says, well, son, I gave you this gift. And I gave you that gift. And you were so content to just keep doing your thing. And, and you kind of took that talent I gave you and you buried it right there. And then you, and then you realize, What? And we don't want to do that. So when we go out and we exercise the obedience to the obvious things of God, everybody has a place to serve. Everybody. It was, it was beautiful to watch. And in fact, I have to say that the, that the spokes, the Chantel is the IC coordinator, International Commission. She said not even in Missouri, which was the second trip, okay, when they were working with seven other churches, we didn't have any of this. The churches didn't even do this. There were no people showed up to go with them, just the pastor. They were blown away by what you all did. And you didn't think it anything because that's what you do. You like doing it. So, the receiver's needs are met when we go. We are enriched when we go. And uh, finally, uh, God is the source of all blessing. And before you think I'm being fancy, I just have to say in utter trans- under, uh, uh, transparency, these three points come right out of the Bible knowledge commentary. So don't think I'm trying to be smart. Okay? But God, the source of all blessing. No need to reinvent the wheel when someone already made it round. Okay, verses 13 through 15. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. And I love the yous and in yous that, that Paul is talking about here. The proof of this ministry, they glorify God. And I can say unequivocally that Northridge Fellowship at the end of this week has a proof of their ministry that they glorify God. How? By, by hosting others, taking care of those that come, and going out to those who need to be gone out to. Okay, that's what happened. And I got to say again, because I know it may seem redundant to you, but to me, it just feels really good to be obedient. When you have a hanging chad, you remember that, a hanging chad? That's a lot of controversy in those days. Okay, probably would want those voting machines back, though. Anyways, uh, when you have an identifiable hanging chad that you just can't get off there, it's really finally good to deal with it. And as a church, I can, I can say that we are now fully engaged in all five functions for the church that God has established through the Scripture. Now we must keep going. Okay? And I want to just say too, in case you're sweating bullets, it's not for everybody. It's really not. But I'm proud of all those who went out to try to see. You know, introverts. Don't really like that kind of thing. But there's not all introverts are made the same. I myself, I'm an introvert. That's why Sunday when it's over, I die. Okay, yes. But I can show up and, and I can talk and I can do that. And, and I can, but is it my favorite? No, I'd rather sit on a hairbrush. Okay, 
So, but we show up and we, and, and, and we just say, God, blah, just do it, <laughs> okay? Just, just make this happen. And he does because he's faithful. And some of you, you're, you're, you go along and you're watching going, I could never know to say that. I could never know to say that. I could never. Well, there's no script. I don't have a script on what I'm preaching right now. But God is good to give the supply. All I had was three points wrote down here in that commentary, and we could have got through that in 30 seconds. Okay? But God is good. It's a demonstration of the power of God. Even old JT, he got really kind of excited. I saw Pam Bush that there do a dance because she could go out again. Okay? And I thought, wow, she's dancing in church. Okay? And, and that was exciting because there was excitement. You know, years ago I heard a story. There was an old barn outside this old town. It had been there for years and years and years, and it was rotten and down. And no one paid it any mind, but they all knew where it was, but no one had any desire to go see it until one day it caught fire and started burning down. And it just proves the point that no one goes, nobody wants to go view a rotten, but they'll love to go see a burning. Right? So when we burn with, with fire for Christ and we burn with fervency to do what He's called us to do and we get involved in the Word of God and we find ourselves on our knees praying for others and, and, then, and, then, and then approaching the Jordan River and saying, will it part? Will it part? Oh, they're good. It did. It parted. You know, and we show up to those houses and they say, get off my porch. It's okay because there's more houses. Okay? Because it's not about us. It's about God. And you go to the next place because you know what? Sometimes the old drill will hit some rocky places and that disc opener will bounce a little and there'll be a skip, but then it'll settle right back into the good soil again. Everyone know what a disc opener is? A few? That's, I'm so glad. We need more of that heritage back, don't we? We really do. Well, something at the end that's kind of a, a real blessing in these verses. <clears throat> and by the prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks. Notice that, verse 15. Thanks. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. This word thanks in the Greek is the word charis. Okay, not claris, that's creepy. But charis, and it means grace or favor. So if you will, grace or favor be to God for His indescribable gift. There is a way of saying thank you God in a way that, that not only gives Him honor and glory, but you're saying all favor and all grace be to you for your indescribable gift. We can reference this last verse to Psalm 68, 19. Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Do you think that's good? Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. The God of our salvation. And then it puts out that little selah. Y'all know what that means? It means pause. Think about that. That's what it means. Selah. 
We're supposed to think on the fact that daily God's lo- God loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Our God is the God of salvation. And to God, the Lord, belong escapes from death. And I imagine if Siv were here right now, she'd be able to give us a view of this verse that none of us could relate to. Don't you reckon? Our God is the God of salvation. For there is no other name given among men by where we must be saved. And then it talks about Jesus Christ, the Lord. Okay. As a brother brought up a good thought to me, we say Jesus Christ, but is He Lord? One of my favorite things that I was able to share with some of the LDS people. was who is Jesus? Because they believe Jesus. I said, well, tell me this. Do you remember in the book of John, the mob was coming out to, to arrest him. They had their torches burning. You could hear the clanging of the sword in the sheath. You could hear the cursing and the growling and the hurry rushedness of taking captive the very God-man. And they approach Him. The shadows are around. The fires are illuminating. And they and Jesus says, Whom do you seek? And they said, We seek Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And He says, It's my favorite part, I am He. And what happens? They all fell back. Why? And I'll say to them, you recall Moses at the burning bush? And after he did the required decorum for being in holiness in the presence of God, he pulled off his shoes. I imagine, we don't know if he's standing or kneeling. I, don't, I think I'd be flat. But he says, well, um, so who should I say sent me? To the Pharaoh. When Pharaoh asked, Who sent you? Who should I say? He goes, Tell them, I am sent you. And Jesus says, I am he. If anyone ever tells you that Jesus never declared to be God in the New Testament, they should go read it first. Okay? The power of God emanated off of this biblical Jesus and that mob didn't even know what hit them because it was like being hit with the very substance that makes up creation as an atom bomb goes off and certainly it wasn't in its full force or they would have been incinerated but in fact they fell back and Jesus in his mission to fulfill allowed them to take him captive and allowed him to be allowed them to hang, brutalize him and hang him on that cross, allowed himself to feel what it's like to die. And then he did something that no one else has ever done before or since. He came back alive. So I say the Jesus that I'm talking about, not was a, he's not a was. He's not a pretty story. He's a living reality right now, and I'm talking to you in His name, and that's the Jesus that I know. Okay, and so there's a distinction, wouldn't you say? 
okay and so that's what we have when we look at these verses blessed be the lord who daily loads us with benefits if you read it really in its intense hebrew way it would be treats us with kindnesses okay the god of our salvation our god is the god of salvation and to god the lord belong escapes from death and i want you to know today if you're here and you don't know jesus christ there is an escape from death i don't care about your politics i don't care about what denomination you've went because if i've heard it once i've heard it a hundred times do you know what the gospel means well i go down here to this church that's nice what's the gospel okay I don't care. Neither is God. God wants your heart. He wants you to lay down your sin debt that you owe him and you're accruing it by the day. It's worse off than our national debt. And you've seen that clock. Okay. We won't stop sinning. We need saved. Saved from what? From the wrath of God to come. We need saved. That's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus come to save sinners. If you don't know him and he comes, I want to say this as, as, as lovingly as I can, but I don't want to reduce its effect. If he comes or you die today, if you don't know Christ, you will go to hell. And it won't be immediate either. You're going to go to county first. Okay? That's right. There's no one in hell just yet. But you'll go to a place called Hades. It's the temporary abode of the dead until the last book is read. And then you will be cast there into hell with de the devil too and all his minion. And it is a place of fire and of brimstone and of pitch black darkness and apparently has no bottom in it and all the torments and wickedness of hell is there and what's worse than that as you read the biblical narrative you're not just in hell you become hell and you hate God and it says there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and you are I hate you for who you are and that's you that's what you become so you think life's bad now if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior to save you out of that, that, I can guarantee you, is your reality. So, it's on you. That's why we share the gospel. I'm going to ask JT to come. If you're here today, and you don't know Christ, and you've been just playing patty cake with God so to speak right there in your chair where you are you can actually make your way to the altar in a sign of contrition and lean down upon it and cry out for mercy for God to have mercy on your soul who is the escape of death and take Christ as your own Christian if you've been a little scared, skittish, join the club. But there is boldness in walking with Jesus. Maybe you need to confess that a little. But whatever it is that God is calling you to do today, it's between you and God. We don't save anybody. We sow seed. It's been sown.